When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Thursday Buckeye Talk, and I will lay out exactly what we're doing question from a tech subscriber um y'all are going to do a pod over analyzing what it means to be a fan lol this should be interesting i guess from the 614 that's what we're doing here it's just me doug Maurice. it's not rants it's over analyzation some would say it's sports therapy some would say dr doug is in the house some would say please stop please stop some would say don't do these podcasts anymore This line of questioning is starting to get old and annoying. Anyone who says being an Ohio State fan isn't fun is dumb and doesn't have the mental capacity to be a fan. It's the mindset of a child. Stop enabling these whiny losers. Yes, it's fun to have a team that's good. No, I'm not miserable because we don't win a national championship every year. Duh, move on from the 419. That's what we're talking about. So this is continuing uh, part of what I have called, I think, the joy initiative that we're on. And there are two questions that spurred this. And then we did a big survey about are the burdens of expect the burden of expectations. Does it ever make it less fun to be an Ohio state fan? Have you ever tried to make yourself be less intense of an Ohio state fan? Do you wish you could? Are you national championship or bust? This is, we've done a lot of things like this. We did the pot a couple I don't know, 10 days ago about is Ohio State standard a national championship standard? We did a pod about how much faith do you have in Ryan Day? And I think your view of the program affects your faith in the coach. So your lens through which you view Ohio State football, football, I think, affects everything that you do. So I'm going to chill out after this one. I'm actually going on vacation for a little bit. We have a lot of pods backlogged, so you'll still hear me. But I wanted to do this before I left. And that the the deal is that a lot of you do feel this. And we got a lot of responses. We got a lot of texture responses. But let me start with the question. One of the two questions that fueled this pod. It's kind of two pods in one. One is this from the 813. And I am, I completely get this fan. And I would say to this fan, I hope that maybe you can, find something to just twist your lens. But then there are people who, and this is the, I sent this text to the texters, 614-350-3315. If you want to send responses, if you want to be part of surveys for the pod here, you you know, send a text to that number, get a a link back two week free trial. And some people got really mad at this fan. And so let's not be mad at the fan. Let's try to be understanding of the fan because this fan is not alone. You guys have touched on this before, but here's my rant. Being an Ohio State fan is not fun. 
The expectations are so high that anything short of a natty seems like a disappointment. Whenever the Buckeyes destroy Illinois by six touchdowns, I feel relief instead of joy. A two-touchdown win over Penn State, and my family and I spend hours nitpicking what they did wrong. I went to Old Miss undergrad, and I learned a complete new way to be a fan and saw fandom from a different perspective. Making a bowl game and being competitive with teams like Alabama, LSU, etc. was all they cared about. Every year, I tell myself I am going to step back and be a rational fan. But as soon as the ball is kicked off week one, I fall back into my old ways. So that's where we started. And I get it. Part of what we asked here is, are you a fan of another team? I think if you're a fan of Ohio State, I think being a, a fan of another college football team can be very illuminating. It can ground you maybe in some ways. It can provide a completely different sense of joy and disappointment. But I find that very interesting. We have a question about that. Are you a fan of another team? Here's a companion question that is from super long ago. It's from after the Michigan loss. And it's something we touched on before in the national championship pod. Is the national championship the standard for Ohio State? And I should have acknowledged this from the 937 back then. If this person listened to that pod and was like, that was my whole text. I'm sorry I didn't use it then. It was in my head. This is an idea for a pod I've had for a while. And I think after the reaction to idiot fans wanting Ryan Day out after the Michigan loss, it might be a good perspective pod. Who would you rather be since the BCS started in 1998? Would you rather be Ohio State or would you rather be LSU Georgia Clemson? Since a national title game was implemented, here are the most titles. Bama 6, LSU 3, Ohio State, Clemson, Florida State, Florida, Georgia, um, all have two. Would Ohio State fans rather have 10 years of 9-3 and three or 8-4 or four mediocrity like LSU just for one extra national title? You can look at flavors of the month like Georgia and Clemson now, but go back to 1998, and I bet Ohio State has the best win percentage in the Power 5. Would you trade that up? Would you trade that for just one more title? So we covered that a lot on the national title pod. Is that the standard? You can go back and listen to that. But the question of who would you rather be, and I think that's tied, and that's the same thing as like, who would you rather root for? So I asked that question. In general, taking Ohio State specifically out of it, what is the best type of sports team to root for? Here are the candidates. The big dog. You expect a title every year. High expectations. You regularly win national championships. The consistent contender. Always in the title mix. Don't really expect a title every year, but you do win titles every now and then. The good but not great team. A winner, but never expect a title. A championship would be almost a miracle, but you you know, you're, you win. Or the scrappy underdog. You're an overachiever. An over 500 record is the goal, and you try to knock off a big dog every now and then. So don't think about Ohio State, because there's a second part of this question that I didn't ask, but I want you guys to think about. I would want to be a fan, I think, of the consistent contender, that you're always in the mix, but yet you aren't assuming a title. That's what you guys said, too. 61% consistent contender. 33% said big dog. Expect a title every year. High expectations. 4% good but not great. 2% scrappy underdog. So now the question is, what's Ohio State? Is Ohio State a big dog or is Ohio State a consistent contender? I would say Ohio State is a consistent contender, and I'm not going to dwell on that because that's the point I made for an hour and 40 minutes on the is a national title the expectation for Ohio State podcast. I don't think if you have two titles in 
50 years that you could say that you are a big dog to the extent of I expect the title every year. You expect to be in the mix almost all the time, and you expect a title, you know, not zero, but it is not a, it is not a when you, like, count the rings and I want to get to two hands, right? It's not that. So I should have asked that. I, I think I'm okay on the surveys. I'm not perfect. I should have asked, okay, if these are the four categories of teams that I laid out, what do you think Ohio State is? So now have a discussion with your family, with your friends. Clearly, they're either a big dog or they're a consistent contender. So now let's put this in bigger context. Since Ohio State won its national championship in January 2003, from that point on, so, okay, Ohio State now has two national championships from that point because they have the 02 season and the 14 season. North American sports, I didn't include NHL. I didn't include MLS. If you're a hockey fan or a soccer fan, I apologize. I don't apologize. I did NFL, NBA, MLB, college basketball, college football. Since then, if we give Ohio State two titles, do you want to guess how many teams slash programs have more than two titles since then? If you're an Ohio State fan, you have two titles. That's good. Do you wish there were more? Yeah. But how many have more? You want to guess? Make a guess. Get it in your head. It's 10 teams overall. Alabama football has six. The New England Patriots have five. So Saban and Belichick are making everybody else miserable. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being probably the greatest college football coach of all time and probably the greatest NFL coach of all time. Thanks a lot. The Boston Red Sox have four, which creates unbearable Boston sports fans. So two of their main teams are at the top of this. The Golden State Warriors have four. The San Antonio Spurs have four. UConn basketball, the absolute most under-the-radar blue blood in America, has four. UConn basketball has four. Teams with three. The Miami Heat have three. The Los Angeles Lakers have three. The San Francisco Giants in baseball have three. And LSU football has three. So in college, it's only three teams that have more than Ohio State's two since then that have more. Alabama football, UConn basketball, LSU football. And then we're running through, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Patriots, the Red Sox, the Warriors, the Spurs, the Heat, the Lakers, the Giants. There are 16 teams with two, and Ohio State's one of them. Here are those teams. In baseball, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Houston Astros. In uh, NFL, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Pittsburgh Steelers, New York Giants, Kansas City Chiefs. So the Chiefs are great. Ohio State and the Chiefs have the same number. College football. USC, Florida, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State. College basketball, Florida, back-to-back, one at Ohio State's expense. Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, Villanova. So Ohio State football, you think about the Blue Bloods in college basketball. UConn, UConn, UConn. But the the big dogs are like, oh, you're a big dog in college basketball. Duke, Carolina, Kansas. Same number as Ohio State in this period that we're talking about. We're starting with an Ohio State title, so it gives a little edge to Ohio State. So anyway, there's only 10. There's only 10 fan bases happier than you when it comes to rings. So I think that's worth 
thinking about. And the point that the texter made about LSU, we talked about on the National Championship Podcast. You can think only about titles, but it's what happens in between the titles. Are you competing for titles or not? And Ohio State clearly is competing for titles while they're not winning them. And LSU is not as much. Just not. So we're going to dwell a little bit on this title thing before we get into the burden of expectations and whether you agree or vehemently disagree with the fan who said it's not fun to root for Ohio State. These are responses to the podcast about is the national championship the standard. Outside of a few notable dynasties, Miami, Nebraska, USC, Bama, and now Georgia in college football, for most of college football's top tier, winning a national championship is still like a game of whack-a-mole. Everything has to line up at just the right time to win it all. Get hot at the end, but don't have a bad loss. Have a dominant team, but have a non-favorable schedule. So that, like they said, 05 Ohio State. Dominant team, but the rough schedule, you lose to Texas and Penn State, right? 2015, get hot, don't have a bad loss. They, they say 2015, Michigan State loss. They're a great team. They have a bad loss. It's just so darn hard, and we need to be happy with our one every 10 or so years. The most important thing is that we're competing every year and increasing our chances because we're not like LSU that seems to make the most of their opportunities and can go from a national champion to a five-loss team. Whack-a-mole, I think, is good. A title is whack-a-mole, or a title is a cherry on top from the 614. Did I say that that, that last one was uh, was from our guy, Ty and Austin, in the 512? I know you can't put every nuance take into a survey response, but I look at national titles as a cherry on top of a great season that I do hope expect to get on occasion. Maybe like a really great encore or a surprise course at the end of a fancy meal. It doesn't mean much if the foundation isn't built right leading up to it. Actually, it's kind of like wanting to see a five-star dominate the twos first. This is what we talked about, dominate the twos, be a five-star recruit, dominate the twos, then move up. I want to see Ohio State dominate Michigan. I think that's calling Michigan the twos. And the Big Ten first before really focusing on titles. But I expect that they will increase their dominance enough from time to time that they can focus on a title. But they have been not dominating enough lately, so a national title isn't top of mind. Cherry on top, I think, is good. I think a cherry on top is is good. This relates to six Bama titles more than anybody in any sport. From the 4-4-0, beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, make the playoff. Hit two of those three, and it's a successful season in my view. I believe that's the standard Ryan Day and the program have set for themselves, too. Anything beyond that is bonus. Anything below that is failure. Expecting titles is insanity, and in my opinion, is a symptom of Nick Saban's success over the past 15 years. People think a dynasty like that is normal or a reasonable goal to achieve. It isn't. What he's done is historic and probably won't ever happen again. Any Ohio State fan or Georgia fans or even Alabama fans moving forward that apply that standard to their program are going to be disappointed a lot. That's from B in the 440. I think that's really good. This is a, a one from Ty that he threw this in, by the way. I'd like to look at the top tier college football programs and what their championship rate is historically. The past 10, 20, 50 years, you could then look at which programs are above or below their average and why. That would be a good playoff survivor pod. That's a good. I, I told Ty that I'm going to steal the uh, championship rate and what it is, what it is historically, what it is in the minor, the modern day. I'm very interested in creating a baseline of expectations. And I think you can do that historically. And I think you can 
do that by looking at changes to your program. You know, what Minnesota did in the 40s doesn't particularly apply to, to, to Minnesota today, but I think you can look at the group of teams around you. I can think you can look at your own history. I could, you think you can look at conference changes, demographic changes, and decide this program should, in quotation marks, win 7.3 games per year. This program should have a 10-win season two times a decade, five times a decade. This program should, right, win a national title every so often, whatever, and put numbers on it. And then you can say, are you hitting it or not? Are you above or below your own standard? And I'm super, super, super interested in that. And championship rate, I think, is part of that. Okay. This is kind of stuff we had before. We want to get in to the new responses about this, about do you have angst or not? Do you feel burdens or not? But our friend Meredith from Minnesota, my dad grew up in Plain City and passed his love for the Buckeyes down to me. I don't miss an episode of your podcast. Dad's Ohio State devotion now runs three generations deep because my two-year-old daughter asked to listen to the Buckeye Talk intro song at bedtime every night happily singing along, and she excitedly cheers, go CJ, whenever she sees any football game on TV. Thank you for all you do to make being an Ohio State fan more fun. Meredith, that's our, our guy, Mike Lewis, who wrote the theme song. I hope Mike is listening and hears that. Um, we hear that, and we are humbled, and it just brings it all home for us because it should be fun, and we hope it is, and we'll talk about that more next on Buckeye Talk. All right, Doug Maurice, running solo with your thoughts. The burden. Do you feel it? Do you ever feel like the burden of expectations makes rooting for Ohio State football less fun at times? So the choices were absolutely yes, I feel that frequently. Yes, I feel that some. No, I don't really feel that. Absolutely not. I would never let expectations make it less fun. Okay. It's pretty even. It's fairly even. But I will tell you the yeses got more votes than the nose. Yes, 58% of you feel the burden of expectations, making it less fun at times. 42% no. The winning vote individually was 39%. Yes, I feel that some. Absolutely yes was the last one at 19%. But that's still one-fifth of you who was like, absolutely yes, I feel that frequently. I feel that burden, making it less fun. 22%, I don't really feel that. 20%, absolutely not. I would never let expectations do that. But again, overall, almost 60% of you feel the burden. So that's, I mean, I, that's why we're here. And I, I know, well, maybe the ones of you who are annoyed are gone already. And that's fine. I, listen, we try to do a wide variety. Recruiting, in-depth, nitty-gritty football, big picture stuff. Old time stuff. Maybe we're talkables coming up soon. You know, hey, we talked to coaches. What did they say? Not every episode is for everybody. I get that. And the feelings ones, I think we have to reassess this in the off season to some degree. But maybe you're like, dude, stop lecturing me. I've heard that before. Stop lecturing me. Let me think how I think. There's a review in there that's like, oh, great. Another one of Doug telling me how to think. I, I don't mean to tell you how to think. What I really want to share is how other Ohio State fans think so that you can, if you're upset about it, can commiserate. Like, do other people feel this way too? No, other people don't feel this way. Maybe that allows me to 
view things differently or change my behavior. Maybe there are people who did used to feel like that and don't feel this way anymore. But if, if you're telling me 58% of Ohio State fans feel that burden sometimes, I think it's worth talking about. Let's see. Um, this is the other one that I think is interesting. Have you ever thought to yourself that you cared too much about Ohio State football? And if you cared less, you might enjoy it more. Here are the choices. Yes, I actually have become less intense as a fan for that reason. Yes, I have thought about being less intense in order to have more fun, but I can't make myself do it. No, I have never been so intense that it affected my joy. I just don't do it that way. Or no, I love being intense. Like I'm not going to apologize for it. And I love living and dying with the Buckeyes. And I think that's fun. I think my intensity is a plus, not a minus. So maybe some of you don't have the intensity. Some of you clearly do. And then do you view it as a plus or a minus? Yes, I thought I cared too much. Beat the nose. 54% yeses combined. 46% noes combined. The winning vote was, yes, I have thought about making myself less intense, but I can't do it, 37%. No, I love being intense, 33%. Yes, I've actually become less intense, 17%. No, I have never been so intense that it affected my joy, 13%. More than half have thought about it. And 17% of you have actually done something about it and changed your fandom. So that's why we're here. The burdens, the expectations, the fun. The Joy Initiative. Some people think that the change to the sport's going to help. From the 303, Doug has made this point before, but I genuinely think the 12-team playoff will make our experience more joyful. Losing a single non-playoff game should never, quote, ruin a year the way it did in 2015 or 2017. Just a tiny bit of wiggle room will make things much better. You've got to let them lose. I'm very much on that bandwagon, and I think that view is right. I think that view is right. From the 216, it's a privilege to be able to have high expectations. I think college football um, should have high goals based on their level. Like Rutgers fans want a team that goes 500 in conference and beats a good school every few years, which for Rutgers would be a lot. Honestly, with the playoff expanding, you're going to see a lot more schools where the best thing they've ever done is be ranked in the top 15 one time, start having these lofty, well, we should be a playoff team every four or five years kind of goals all of a sudden, too. So I do think the playoff expansion will help teams like Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia at the very top. It gives you more wiggle room. And as I've said before, I just think Ohio State's almost guaranteed a spot every year. I think 9-3 and three Ohio State gets in almost all the time. 10-2, and 11-1, and 12-0, of course, all the time. I'll be curious what it does for those second-tier schools. And I think we can identify a lot of those where it's like, hey, like we want to be good, but now you have something more realistic to shoot for because I think a 12-team, a spot in the 12-team playoff can be even more realistic than a conference championship or a conference championship game appearance, right? Penn State, for instance, and this is a higher level than what the fan referenced, like, hey, we were in the top 15 ones, but Penn State has been blocked by Ohio State and then the last two years blocked by Michigan. They wanted to make the Big Ten title game. They made it once. They wanted to win Big Ten titles. They they haven't, really. But now they can make the playoff without doing either of those things. You can, you can be the third best team in the Big Ten and make the playoff. Absolutely. So is that going to enhance? I think it's going to enhance the pursuit, but is it going to create a new level of burden that now you're not reaching? 
But I do think for Penn State, it should be good. For Wisconsin, I think it should be good. Is is Nebraska, if Matt Rule gets it going, are they going to be having playoff conversations? If they fall short, are they going to be mad? So I do think the playoffs going to change it. Going to change it. From the fourth, 8-0. This feeling of expectation sucking the fun out of being a fan is more true today than it has ever been. The toxicity of fan bases and what has become ring culture in every sport makes it impossible to feel joy. And the cause of it is Twitter and national media who move the goalposts to create debate. Now when we beat Penn State and it's a great game, it feels bad because it was a little sloppy or beating a lesser team by 28 instead of 58 isn't good enough. It stinks. The only redemption is beating Michigan and winning playoff games. And when that doesn't happen, the toxicity is ramped up to 100. This is why I can't wait for the 12-team playoff, where it's okay to not be perfect and I can enjoy good games without thinking about how Twitter or GetUp is going to talk about us not cruising through the Big Ten without challenge. And this isn't an Ohio State thing. It's all sports. But college football is the only sport where 13 games matter more than anything, and losing one is the end of the program. Bama was like three plays away from going eight and four, but needed ended up 10 and two with some insane games. But you would think that program was on fire. Georgia was in a fist fight with Missouri going into the fourth quarter. It doesn't matter when Ohio State misses the kick, but when you lose, those things get the biggest spotlight on them because it all comes down to rings today and it stinks. Ring culture, ring culture. The 12 team playoff will help it, it will allow you to lose but an acknowledgement of the toxicity and the media is part of this for sure. I I think we all know, what do I say? How do I say this? I think big national shows are, can be fun and they hit a lot of topics at once. I hope you aren't getting your biggest college football takes or opinions from people who talk about college football for like 11 minutes a week. And then are on to the NBA and then are on to the NFL and then are on to MMA. And it's like, oh, well, they said Ohio State didn't beat Penn State by enough. Like, that's that's not what it's about. We do this, too, because I, as I have said many times, the standard of does it beat Bama? To me, when you're playing Rutgers and you're playing Illinois, it's like, well, what's the point? Ohio State plays six or eight games a year. That's like, OK, I, like, how is this? How are we supposed to analyze this? But enjoying it and analyzing it are different things. So I do think. Fans should enjoy it. Watch it. Enjoy it. If, if Rutgers gets a pick six or Illinois, Illinois might be actually kind of decent now. If Indiana has the lead in the first quarter, or Ohio State doesn't cover. They're a 38-point favorite, and they win by 26. You should walk out of the stadium or leave your tailgate, and I don't think you should be mad about that. But then if you listen to Buckeye talk, and then it's like now we're in analysis stage. Then it's like, well, you know, we 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 can't just be like, hey, they beat Indiana, woo, they beat Indiana. Indiana hasn't beaten Ohio State since 1988. We're going to analyze it on the bigger on the bigger scene, but enjoyment and analysis are different things. And of course, you're smart. You don't need us to analyze it. You can analyze it yourself while you're eating a hot dog. Hey, Nancy. Hey, Steve. Don't you think we should be eating be beating Indiana by more? You don't have to wait to listen to Buckeye talk to do that. So I know you guys are analyzing it while you're doing it. But I also hope you're playing cornhole, being like, hey, hey, the Bucks won. This, I thought, was interesting about adjustments because I want, I do want to focus on the people a little bit who have changed. 17%, yes. I actually have become less intense as a fan for that reason. This is 
from the 513. I forced myself to readjust how I watched and rooted for the Buckeyes in 2014. That Virginia Tech loss was deflating. After the game, I told my friends that it was going to be fun and different to watch a bunch of young guys play and get better, even though it was going to be a rough year. I readjusted my expectations and then watched them get better week to week and then won the most rewarding title I can think of. Ever since then, I am still disappointed when they don't play well, but we're pretty blessed to be in a position to have such crazy standards and have a down year end in an 11-2 and playoff semifinal loss. So I thought that was interesting. The real-life examples of adjustments. This is one. From the 513, when I was younger, I would have agreed with the text that the, the person said, it's not fun being an Ohio State fan. They would have agreed. In my 20s, I took Buckeye football way too seriously, so much so that I lost friendships during the LSU debacle in the championship game. Now I'm able to put the game in perspective after the game ends. And I hope you got your LSU friends back from the LSU loss in 2007. You know, that's hard. This I do think applies to, and we've had, I mean, we've discussed everything, but the discussion of like, hey, I'd rather play in a bowl game and win than play in a semifinal and lose. In 2007, Ohio State thought it was going to the Rose Bowl for the first time in a long time, like in almost a decade. And then it didn't. Then instead, it went to the national championship game and lost. And I think if you are the type of fan where you make the national championship game and then you lose and you're so mad that you lose friends over it, maybe you would have rather gone to the Rose Bowl because any loss, no matter the context, no matter how good the opponent is, so devastating that any win is better, even if the win is in a lower stakes game. I've never agreed with that idea. To me, you want to be in the mix. You want to be in the mix. You want to have a chance. You want to have a chance. The whole point is to have a chance. But if you'd rather win with no chance than lose with a chance, if this texture is saying they, they would have kept friendships, if Missouri and West Virginia and all these other teams that blew it in 07 that opened the door for Ohio State to get back in to the national title game after losing to Illinois in game 11, you would have retained friendships if Rich Rodriguez hadn't blown a game at West Virginia because a national title loss is so intense. Wowza. That was like, okay, then you'd rather make a bowl game and win? Okay, well, that makes sense because you, you're going to be so mad if you lose a national championship game. These are the people who are talking about the idea that I pulled out first the people who are like, yeah, I feel the burdens and want to admit to it. It's interesting. We're over 50% in the surveys for people saying, yes, I feel the burdens. Yes, I've thought about at least being less intense. But the response is, I got many more written responses from texters on the other side saying, if you let bur the expectations be a burden, if you think it's not fun, you're crazy. Those people got mad. It's like the people, the people who enjoy it got mad the most. The people who are most burdened voted, but didn't write. So I like people standing up for joy. From the 614, this is all about perspective. In a sport so insular until the postseason, fan frustration, for me at least, sets in despite relative success on the field, when everyone plays the comparison game, you never feel comfortable or content because someone else you may hypothetically play four months from now would have won that game by more. For instance, Ohio State only beat Illinois by six touchdowns. Georgia would have won by eight. We have so much to work on. And we as fans hear this so much 
that it makes enjoyably being a hardcore fan very difficult. I acknowledge that this sport is more subjective than any other, and that argument over who is best is a cornerstone of what makes college football so unique. But you can't be surprised when the ultimate outcome of all these discussions is an inherent frustration when all you hear is, I don't think this team is good enough, despite undeniably having a top five or top 10 team in the country. That's from the 614. That is really smart. The sport makes you do this, which is why the playoff is going to help. Because this sport is too subjective. And it's why the does it beat Bama model of analysis of Ohio State, which we have applied for 20 years, I don't apologize for because the sport requires us to be subjective. It's not only about did you win, it's how does the playoff committee view that? How did the voters in the old BCS view that? In the 12-team playoff, it's not going to be as subjective. Yes, there's still going to be a playoff committee, but there's going to be six automatic bids of those 12 for conference champs, win your conference and you're in. And then the other six, there's just more room. You're not going to be in a fight for a spot the way Ohio State has been for the fourth spot so many times, whether they get it sometimes or don't. There's going to be more wiggle room. It will be less subjective, less like gymnastics, less like figure skating, and more like when and you're in. And I do think that will remove some of the year-long, did we look good enough angst that that texture so, I think, smartly laid out. From the 330, there is some level of truth to that. And as an Ohio State fan, I feel it to the idea of it's not fun. Trying to enjoy games more, this person is, but the pressure and expectations are real. So they can acknowledge what the original texter felt of it can't be fun. Trying, but they're trying. Let's see. Trying, trying, trying. I'm trying to lower my expectations and enjoy the Buckeyes for what they are. A great team from a great program with a rich history. We fans are all spoiled with recent successes. I lived through the Cooper years and those frustrations, so I try to remind myself of that and enjoy this team in the era. Thanks, Steve from Richmond. Trying. Trying to lower expectations, right? Maybe not always successfully doing it. This is a social uh, look at it. I think socially, like, hey, I'm hanging out with my friends, watching the Bucks. It could be less fun at times because fan culture often reflects what that texter said. It's not fun. But in the moment when Ohio State is up 50 against a lesser opponent, I'm absolutely having a blast watching all those touchdowns. That's from the 216. This, I think, is one that I, I would be, I should ask this question. I will. I will ask this question on a future survey. How do you watch the game? I think that's very informative. We've we've heard from people over the years, I watch it by myself. I don't want to be bothered. Do you have traditions where you gather with friends, you gather with family? Do you want to be social during an Ohio State game or do you not want to be social? And maybe you want to be social during Rutgers and Indiana and Toledo and Youngstown State. And maybe you don't want to be social during Penn State and Notre Dame and the games that you you know, that, that are actually close. And then the Michigan game, I wonder, because you assume, you have to assume the Michigan game is going to be a fight, but it's such a different thing. Maybe you don't want to be social when it's just a game and it's a tough opponent, but if it's the Michigan game and it's a tough opponent, but it's Michigan, maybe you do want to be social. We'll ask that later. From the 614 Ohio State game day, my wife says, I wake up anxious, worried, and not comfortable at all. So this person's wife is telling them, this is how you are on, on Saturdays. She gives me complete space, or if I watch the game with friends, we're all the same. 
stressed as heck until the game is over. Not normal, perhaps, but there is no other sports passion like it. I, I, it's certainly not abnormal. Like that is, no, I don't think there are people thinking that, hearing that and being like, ugh, first time I ever heard of that. We all have that. My uncle can't watch the game with anybody. Oh, my, my mom. If you, you can't talk to my mom during the games. We know that people are like that. I had my wife help me answer the questions truthfully from the 262, this whole survey, because that's the other thing. I am envisioning a series of commercials for Ohio State fandom. It'd be good Buckeye Talk commercials if we had a commercial budget where I'm reading texts from you. You, you can read your own text in your own voice. I kind of want to be part of the commercial, though. Where we are reading, I enjoy the Buckeyes. The idea that high expectations would ruin my fandom is crazy. And that's the the voiceover. And underneath of it is a video of you watching the game and Ohio State giving up a touchdown and you pick your TV up and throw it out the window. That's why I always enjoy the Buckeyes. And then you're screaming while your TV smashes on the ground. I wonder how many of you think you are one way. And the people in your life would laugh at the way you describe yourself as an Ohio State fan. You'd be like, oh, no, I'm not burdened by expectations. I always have fun. And your your significant other would be like, what? Are you crazy? That is not my experience. Ask your significant other. Ask your kids. Ask your friends. Ask your parents. How are you? Do they think you feel the burden? And that's the thing, too. I, that might – that goes back to the thing at the beginning of like, oh, we're going to overlize being a fan. Cool. That might just be being a fan. And it doesn't matter whether you think your team is good or not. You might think your team's terrible. Your team might be two and 10 and you might throw your your TV out the window 10 times a year. So expectations are part of it. It's not the only thing that's part of it. It's just sports, man. This is an interesting one about 2015 from the 610. I think there are years that are more and less fun than others. It's all about expectations versus performance. Examples. 2015 is the least fun I've ever had as a Buckeye fan by a factor of 1,000. This was supposed to be a Death Star year, and one of the few times in your life you get to root for us to just dominate. This is an all-time team. Instead, it was 10 games of grab butt, then an awful loss. Then two games of see how good we actually are after it didn't matter anymore. Zero stars would not do again. On the flip side, 2016 was amongst the most fun I've had as a Buckeye fan. All expectations were for a step back, but a flawed team played their butts off most weeks, won a couple huge fun games, and was generally a delightful group to root for, even despite not being championship caliber. Obviously, the most fun year ever was 2002 because there were virtually no expectations. Nine and three would have been a big improvement. And instead, they destroyed two good Power Five non-conference teams and basically played a classic game every week until they won a national title. Five stars. Heaven may be getting to relive that season over and over without knowing the outcomes. 2006 was almost the most fun year because it felt like rooting for a Death Star team like we were supposed to get into 2015. Preseason number one beat the number two team twice during the season. Incredibly fun cast of characters. Magnetic Star dominated until they did, which made for the most painful night of football in my life because we were 60 minutes from this is the best Ohio State team you will ever see. So I think that's super interesting because... As you will hear on the 2016 Retalkables, that 2016 Ohio State team, at least on the offensive side of the ball, is you watch it in that Michigan game, and then you think about the 31-0 loss to Clemson, and it's almost incompetent. 
how could Ed Warner and Tim Beck and Urban Meyer by extension run this offense? But yet we knew that like we had low expectations and this, te- and then they beat, they won at Oklahoma. They beat Wisconsin right now. They lose the Penn state game, but they did win some big, that's why they made the playoff as a, as a non champ because they had so many big wins, but you look how flawed they are. And then you watch 2015 and it's just like star, 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 star. And they, it's such an interesting text. 2015 was miserable. 2016 was awesome. But watch those teams at the end of the year, right? Watch the last two games for 2016, Ohio State. The Michigan miracle win and the 31 nothing loss to Clemson. You're like, this is not a good team. Like, th- like the defense is good, but like overall, this is, this is not the Ohio State standard. You watch the last two teams in 2015, the Michigan win and then Notre Dame in the bowl game. And it's like, this team is unbelievable. That's part of the frustration. Really smart. This, I think, is part of it. It's not just burdens. It is Ohio State's particular place in the landscape. And I do think there are Ohio State fans, maybe you are one of them, that can feel too much like the world is out to get Ohio State. Fans feel that. I think with Ohio State, it is sometimes justified. Because I do think to some degree, and maybe it's Mark May's fault, and Mark May's not on TV anymore. I feel that Ohio State has become the heel of college football over the past 20 years. This is from the 847. Lots of negative press, some real, some manufactured, with very little support from a national view like ESPN and others. Teams like Georgia get very little heat from the national media when they just had a player and staffer die and another player flee the scene. Michigan hires Bo's kid and fires him right away. Nothing from the national scene. There was some national pushback on that. That was Shemmy Schembechler hired, had problematic racially negatively tinged, perhaps racist tweets in his past, lost his job as a result. Some national reaction, I don't don't know that it led SportsCenter, right? If that happens to Ohio State, either the Georgia situation or the Michigan situation, the world is on fire. The other part of the difficulty is the fans, quote fans, online and offline complaining and voicing unachievable expectations on this team. I love Ohio State, the ups and downs. I just want to see balanced national coverage of this team when too often they are portrayed as negative. I think a percent of that is real. I th- and and like listen, Mark May made a career out of it, of like being a wrestling heel on this. I do think Ohio State represents an entire type of football. They are the standard bearer of Northern football. For that, they are a target. And again, as I've said many times before, Ohio State is in a rare, if not unique position of they're the only team like this with these expectations. So they are on top and taking fire from below in their realm. Michigan, Penn State, Iowa, Purdue, Michigan State, everybody is shooting up at Ohio State. So you're like the big dog on top who's like, hey, we beat you guys most of the time. And then as soon as Iowa in 17, Purdue in 18, Penn State in 16, Michigan in 15 and 13, no, excuse me, Michigan State in 15 and 13, Michigan the past two years. As soon as those teams get a couple on Ohio State, it's like, aha. And then it can feel like all the other times that Ohio State won doesn't stack up because you're taking fire from below. Then they go out nationally, and now Ohio State's shooting up. And yes, you beat Bama. Yes, you beat Oregon. Yes, you beat Clemson. But still, there are times when it can feel like the Alabama national title loss. Actually, that one people seem kind of okay with. The Clemson semifinal loss. The Georgia loss last year. 
you can feel that disappointment that because you think they should compete there, but actually they are shooting up a little bit at those guys. Those guys are above them. I think for some reasons, recruiting base, that kind of thing. You might end up feeling the negative of both. Ohio State's on top geographically in a conference standpoint, and yet the few losses, it feels like, ha ha, we beat you. And then when they lose nationally, it can feel like, ha ha, you can't compete with us. And I do think it's not rational, but I do think maybe you can feel both versions of losses more heavily than you feel all those versions of wins. And that Ohio State, and I would say uniquely, I don't think there's another program like that that could make that case. And so that's why we have to have a whole multiple podcasts talking about it because other people don't feel this way. This is a second part of that. This is Brian from the 740. There is always joy in rooting for the Buckeyes. The angst or cause of not enjoying the ride has more to do with the fear of being ashamed or embarrassed by an outcome, causing the illusion of being inferior to another program by losing argument points to defend our honor of being a Buckeye. Also, we do not need a reset to adjust our expectations. Ask any program that stunk for a few years if they needed that experience. The answer would be unequivocally no. So that was when I said, hey, maybe Ohio State needs a rich run. And people got mad. That's, uh, you're, you're right. You're right. I, I, uh, it's, it's a good response. I, I wonder because you feel like, I mean, you're mostly just representing Ohio State. But I, I do think that shame, shame, embarrassment, like that kind of thing. But part of it is because it does feel like people, maybe you feel like your friends, your non-Ohio State fan friends are more eager to come after you. I just can't, let me, I can't wait till Ohio State loses so I can find my Buckeye friend and rub it in their face. Maybe you feel that more. I don't know. Like if you're in a rivalry game, I would assume that Wisconsin and Iowa and Minnesota fans want to rub it in each other's faces when you win the pig or the bucket or the ax or the Paul Bunyan or all the trophies out there. I assume that happens. I don't think Illinois fans rub it in Rutgers' face when Illinois beats Rutgers, right? And I don't think Ohio State fans rub it in Maryland's face when Ohio State beats Maryland. But maybe if you had a Purdue friend, did your Purdue friend rub it in Ohio State's face in 2018? I think there's something there. The shame, embarrassment, um, we've turned into a heel. And then I, I, this is another question to ask. Do you, if, do you feel that Ohio State is a heel. And if you feel that, do you like it? Or is it something that has happened through the Maurice Claret, Zach Smith, Urban Meyer, all the, like those Terrell Pryor, in quotation marks, scandals? Did that turn Ohio State into a heel and you don't want to be? But if everybody feels like, if you feel like people are out to get you, then you don't have a choice but to be that. I think that's part of it too. But most of you who have responded are like, get out of here. Here's why it's great to be an Ohio State fan. The last thing I wanted to talk about before we get to that though, is do you have a second team? I, I did ask this. Have you ever wavered in rooting for the Buckeyes and thought about switching your allegiance to another team? 99% no, 1% yes. So I just checked on that. I just checked. Have you ever just thought of like bailing? I'm not enjoying this. I'm bailing. 1%. Okay. Just to be clear on that. 
How did you come to your Ohio State fandom? P- pick the one that applies most. I grew up in Ohio. I had family members who loved the Buckeyes and passed it down. 70%. I went to Ohio State, 24%. I became an Ohio State fan another way, 6%. A lot of people said, well, I'm both. I'm. It's in my family, and I went to Ohio State. So that was an inelegant phrasing of that question. I just was – I don't know that that applies. I don't think you have to become an Ohio State fan a, a certain way. Um, so, like – that that doesn't really matter to me, but I was just kind of curious about it. So um, that's that's where that is. Let's talk about other teams, and let's start by talking about other Ohio State teams. So here's this from the four two three. Doug, you are missing an important aspect of this situation. You need to ask if these fans are Buckeye fans in all sports, like me, or if they are fans of just football and they like other teams in different sports. Put another way, are you a fan of Ohio State University or Ohio State football? I feel that fans who are only football fans will be more wrapped up in expectations of titles. So I don't have a handle on that. I think it is a well-reasoned point. And ask yourself that question. Ohio State basketball, let's work that in from the 440. We have no title expectations with Ohio State basketball. I wouldn't consider that more fun because we don't have the expectations of North Carolina or Duke. I would love to have those expectations for a basketball program. Maybe Chris Holtman would have been gone years ago if we had those expectations. Ohio State basketball is turning into Iowa football. Ask those Iowa fans if they have fun without national title expectations. Maybe it's just a case of the grass isn't always greener, but who knows? If we're looking for comparisons, I think that is an interesting one internally because obviously the expectations are different, but I would say as much as I'm sort of like, hey, you guys, don't don't make it national title or bus for football, my view would be rooting for Ohio State football is more fun, that it is lower than Ohio State basketball, but that you just kind of think that they are – like if we were trying to put Ohio State basketball in a category – I think Ohio State basketball is good, not great. Now, I've also made the argument that when you look historically at their Sweet 16s and their national championships, they are in the second tier of college football. So maybe they should be consistent contender. But they're not the same kind of consistent contender that Ohio State football would be. And what's more fun? Fewer expectations for basketball. But I even when Ohio State was making sweet 16s and made a couple Final Fours with Thad Mata, I still think people would say it's more fun to be an Ohio State football fan. I don't know. It's like the, the, Stephen has made the great analogy there. Like, football's where you live. Basketball's going on vacation. So, I don't know. All right. Do you root for another team? Which I think can be grounding. There's lots of ways you get to this. Maybe you're an Ohio State alum, but you grew up somewhere else. So you sort of have the team that you grew up with before you came to Ohio State. Maybe it's the reverse of that. Maybe you grew up rooting for Ohio State, then you went to college somewhere else, and now you root for for the team that you went to, but you still root for the Buckeyes. Maybe you just acquired a second team along the way, one way or another. I, I think having a second team in college football makes a ton of sense, and I think it could be really good. But... Do you root for another college football team, at least to some degree? No one, 64%. 36% yes. Of the, of the 36% yeses, yes, I root for a less successful underdog-type team, 31%. 
yes, I also root for another very good team, 5%. So I think there are probably a decent amount of you. Maybe you went to a Mac school. Maybe you went to a Division II football school and you can root for those teams. Maybe you just, you know, maybe you went to Troy or maybe you went to Minnesota. And, and that there's a very, very easy way to root for both. And so then in that situation, what does it do for you? Does it make you appreciate Ohio State in a different way? Does it ground you? Does it make you not enjoy the other school? Here are some examples. This is Andy in D.C. Doug, I had to reply to this. I'm a lifelong Buckeye fan, born and raised in Northeast Ohio, but no longer live there. I can't understand having this type of fan mindset, the time this, the type that says it's not fun. It sounds unpleasant and borderline toxic. I look forward to each Ohio State season with excitement and hope based on the fact that they produce a national championship contending team almost every year. Other fan bases would cut off their right arm for just one season of what Buckeye fans get year after year. Do they always win a natty? Of course not. But they are always in the mix, and it's always exciting. Do I feel a huge sense of disappointment when they lost to Georgia last season? Yes, of course I did. Did I also feel an immense amount of pride in a team that picked themselves up off the mat after taking it on the chin from Michigan? Also, yes. It's easy to lose perspective as a fan. One thing that helps me keep perspective is that I'm also a huge fan of Army football. Obviously, a much different program with different expectations. Fellow Buckeye fans, please be appreciative and grateful of the team we get to cheer for through both the ups and downs. Not many fan bases get a national title contender year after year. Sorry for the long text, but I had to vent. Andy, we like the long text. We like when people have big, passionate things they want to explain. And I do think you really have to explain yourself sometimes. This is another military academy comparison from the 719. Sorry about the long text, but I'm sick and tired of the complaining that Ohio State is too good, so it's not fun anymore. Anyone who thinks that having high expectations for Ohio State success makes it less fun is out of their mind. I grew up loving Ohio State because of the expectations of a championship. It's what makes it so fun. In contrast, my dad played for the Air Force Academy, and I also went there. We root for them every year religiously. Nothing against the uh, nothing against Academy ball, but the expectations are a 500 season and maybe winning the Commander-in-Chief trophy. They rarely have expectations of even getting to the Mountain West Conference Championship game. When they lose, it's just a bummer, but it doesn't hurt the same. Having a team where every win matters because it gets you closer to, to, to the championship brings a layer of fun to the game that a lesser team just cannot achieve. The expectation of greatness is what makes every season so memorable because every play matters. The disappointment at the end when you don't reach the pinnacle pales in comparison to the amount of fun it is to have just a glimmer of hope for a championship. Get over yourselves. You all cheer for one of the best teams in the country and are so spoiled with the endless hope of greatness. I, I think we're getting some good comparisons here. Here's one about East Carolina for the 919. Not all of us are that fan, the fan who says it's not fun. I unrealistically shoot for the moon and land among the stars and expect a natty every year. And it hurts when we don't win it. But I'm sad for a moment and think about what could have gone differently, but then I move on. I also went to East Carolina from 2016 to 2021, and that fan can look up that team's history, the fan who's mad, and look at the line for the upcoming week one matchup. I think East Carolina's playing Michigan, right? And get back to me about being sad about your team. The main issue, I think, is continuing to lose to the team up north, in my opinion. You win one or both of these last two games, and I'm almost at a 10 out of 10 on my feelings about the program. You can't win the Natty every year, but we can win the game almost every year, or at least eight out of nine, right? Nine out of 10, that kind of thing. I'd prefer 10 out of 10 against Michigan. 
I'm also 25, so these past two seasons are really the only losses I've seen to them. The fickle year loss, I kind of expected, so that didn't hurt me. Thanks for all you do. P.S. Doug, not all of us let teams have that much impact on our lives. Much more to life than ball. Okay, good uh, good East Carolina influence perspective there. This is about having a second team. As far as rooting for another team, I grew up in Ohio, but I moved away when I was a teenager and ended up living in South Carolina. I pull for South Carolina as all my friends are Gamecock fans. However, I'm a diehard Buckeye for life. I don't think there is anything wrong with having a secondary team. I don't think there's anything wrong either. I think it's actually really interesting and healthy. And when there's 130 plus teams playing major college football and a bunch of great teams at the FCS level and some, I mean, are you maybe you're a Mountain Union fan, right? Go do that. Uh, I, I think I think having a second team uh, is is really good. A couple points on the survey. I grew up an Ohio State fan as well as I went to Ohio State, so I'm not sure, exactly sure how to have voted on that, and I get that. That's on me. Although it's a joke, people often say my second favorite team is whoever is playing Michigan, and that actually rings true for me. But that wasn't an option to choose. So that also is reasonable. There were more than a few people who said, do you root for another team? Yes, the other team I root for is whoever is playing Michigan that week. It's another good one about Notre Dame. From the 574. I live in South Bend and grew up rooting for Notre Dame, as my whole family did. But I fell so in love with football that one team wasn't enough for me. And I gravitated toward Ohio State as a nine-year-old all on my own. My fandom grew more and more, as it is a lot more fun to be a fan of Ohio State than it is Notre Dame. Notre Dame is just constant disappointment with no payoff at the end. There has been much payoff as an Ohio State fan, including four straight Big Ten championships and a national championship. I was only five when the O2 championship happened. I would imagine most Ohio State fans are also Browns fans or root for other sports teams and know how it feels to root for a team without any payoff. For any WWE fans, they make whole storylines out of the good guys chasing the championship instead of the good guy always beating the bad guy because they know the money is in the chase. Not so much the payoff at the end. It's probably nice to be an Alabama fan, but it is more fun to be an Ohio State fan. That is the big dog versus consistent contender argument. Would you rather be the consistent contender fan, which is what you guys voted for, and then is Ohio State a consistent contender? When I did those categories, to me, big dog, it may be only Alabama who qualifies for that. Consistent contender is a team like Ohio State. Good but not great is one of those sort of like eight-win Big Ten teams. Maybe Iowa there. And then scrappy underdog is like Purdue, right? That like, hey, if we can be 500, that's great. And maybe every now and then you beat Ohio State. This is the last comparison, and then we'll take a break. Give your brains a rest. Aaron from the 530. I've been an Ohio State fan my whole life. My earliest football memory was the Miami National Championship game. When I got a, a Ted Ginn Jr. jersey for Christmas, I didn't take it off for literally two weeks. My past girlfriends have all said I am too intensive a fan, and they're right. The 2021 Michigan loss sent me into a blacked-out, drunk tailspin that could have landed me in a police car. The 2022 loss, I had to unfollow and unsubscribe to everything Ohio State. So where did this person wind up? I started graduate school at Georgia this past spring. First day of classes was the TCU-Georgia National Championship game. So this is an Ohio State fan who has to suffer through Ohio State losing to Georgia in the final seconds and then enrolls at Georgia for the National Championship game. It's been honestly a blessing to have a different team to root for and be around that. 
that I don't have such an emotional tie to the wins and losses, with the upside of them being obviously successful. Ohio State will always have my heart, but I am more than thrilled to be a dog. Aaron is living the life, man. Thank you, Aaron, from the 530 for that contribution. All right. When we come back, some more just straight up, this is why I love the expectations. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, I read them all, 100-plus responses, can't read them all. Love it when you guys send them in, 614-350-3315. I've been doing some surveys that are a, a bit of drudgery, homework. This was not homework. The emotions really bring it out of you guys. And sometimes, like, we have a market down Monday coming up on who's going to lead them in sacks, and somebody was like, uh, thank goodness for an easy survey. This one, like, you guys know this. I don't know if you have to think about it much. If you're thinking, like, oh, who do I think – He's the greatest draft pick of all time. I got to rank all these guys. It's like, hey, do you feel the burden? I think you I think you know the answer to that. So that's why we got so many responses and why I love reading through them so much. Um, let's do this. And I thought this was a really good point because the last question I asked was a rating. We do a one to 10 rating scale on some things. Rank the joy you get from rooting for Ohio State football compared to the angst, disappointment, anger you feel rooting for Ohio State football. Ten is all joy. One is all bad stuff. Okay? So I asked you to do that rating. And somebody responded from the 614 with this. I'm sorry, but the last question makes no sense. I love Ohio State football. I love to watch them win, which they do a lot. And I hate and am disappointed to watch them lose. Fortunately, not very often. And the last question, what even are the middle numbers? You can't have a ton of joy and excitement for a good team without bitter disappointment in the immediate aftermath of a loss. For me, at least, I'm heartbroken when they lose, but only because they're so good. The next morning, though, I love them all over again. Go Bucks from the 614. So smart. It's like, oh, are you joy? Or it's like, oh, I'm like a six. It's like what you probably actually are is a 10 on joy. And then like a one on angst that when they win, you're all the way at one end of the scale. And when they lose, you're all the way at the other end of the scale. So what I think I was trying to ask you and trying to accomplish was when you add all that together, when you think about your tens and you think about your ones, what do you sort of think you are overall then? And I actually did a little math on this. They do have the best overall record in college football from the 2002 season on. And it's like, again, I, I didn't do the BCS era. I didn't do the playoff era. It's because like, we're sort of maximizing the Ohio State joy. We're talking about a fort. We're starting with a 14-0, low expectation, miracle season that ended with one of the greatest college football games and greatest college football wins and upsets of all time. So that's a great starting point. So from then on, from 2002 to now, Ohio State is 233-39. and 39. That's the best overall record in college football. If you did this rating and gave yourself all 10s for the 233 wins and you gave yourself all ones for the 39 losses, which is sort of what this texture is getting at, which I actually think, again, is really smart. What would your rating have been if you, if you add those together? 233 10s, 39 ones. You divide that by the total number of games. You get an 8.7. So are you an 8.7 or more as a Buckeye? I think if you're over 8.7, then even if you are totally happy with the wins and totally happy with the losses, if you're 8.7 or more, you're getting the right balance out of it. If you're significantly under that, then probably you're not, right? The overall actual vote is a flat 
eight. The most popular response was an eight. There were more nines than sevens. There were more tens than sixes. It's like not like probably about 17% of people voted a 10. There are a couple down there. There are about, I don't know, maybe like 10% of the people who are five or lower, more like more like 8% of the people are five or lower. The people who are really like, man, it's, it's, I am not getting what I need out of this. So again, just like a mathematical thing, you're at 8.7 if you're a 10 when you win and a one when you lose since 2002. Let's talk about people responding with great passion from the 419. Doug, with respect to those types of fans, they can cram it. Again, we're trying to help the person who sent the initial inquiry and rant. We are not here to make them feel worse. We're here to help them. If I were saying it to their face, I'd say they can fricking cram it. So so on a text, they can cram it to their face. They can fricking cram it down the cram hole. Oh, so cram it down the cram hole to their face. As a longtime Buckeye and Packer fan, fans who talk like that are spoiled and they're throwing a tantrum in my opinion. They're ignorant and don't think they and I don't think they have any idea what life is like on the other side. They love to whine about absolutely everything. First world problems. There are a ton of awful teams out there. And I welcome those morons to go root for some crappy team for a few years and see how much fun they have. I we're gonna help them. Maybe I shouldn't read as many of those. We're going to help. We're going to aid. We're going to lead. We're going to let the fans who are maybe feeling the burdens talk it out a little bit. I do think we need this perspective, smartly done from the 614. Doug, a couple of things. You've been hitting the whole is everybody happy thing pretty hard the last couple of years. Sports is a form of entertainment, just like movies and music, concerts, etc. It provides a distraction from our regular lives, which may or may not be great. Sports provides an emotional release. When your team wins, there is going to be happiness, elation, etc. When your team loses, there is going to be sadness and, yes, disappointment. It's okay to be happy when your team wins, and it's okay to be sad when your team loses. You shouldn't be guilted or shamed for feeling either way. Is it okay and natural to feel that way about Buckeyes football as part of being a fan? But I think it is important to keep in mind that from 2001 to 2020, Ohio State football experienced a tremendous run. Two national titles, 12 Big Ten titles, and a 17-2 and record against Michigan. From 1965 to 2000, for instance, Ohio State was 14-20-2 against Michigan and won one national title. As a Buckeye fan, you want the run the Buckeyes have had since the turn of the century to continue. That's only natural for a fan to feel that way. But if you're a realist, that level of performance is extraordinary. And Buckeye fans have to acknowledge they have witnessed a golden age of Buckeye football since 2001, but that at some point it will end, as it does for every team. And while the Buckeyes may not be the dominant force it was from 2001 to 2020, they still may be very good. Yes, 0-2 against Michigan and no Big Ten title the last two, th- two seasons, but 22-4 and and a playoff appearance is far from the end of the world. Good text on the golden age. And this is like the Jim Balvano speech, right, from the ESPYs. Every day, you should feel all these a variety of emotions. You should laugh every day. You should cry every day. So I do think you should laugh as a sports fan and you should cry as a sports fan. I think that's great. I just think when your team is this good, you should laugh more than you cry. You should laugh longer. You should laugh harder. You should celebrate more than you're upset when you lose. It's the balance of that. I I don't, to take that away, it's not, I don't think it is, it certainly is not my intention. And I don't think it is any Ohio State fan's intention to take away the pain. I just think 
I, I'll say this. I, I, do people want to hear this? So, my, so this has happened to a lot of you guys, and I'm going to get too philosophical here. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer several years ago. She had treatment. Uh, it was successful. She's been clear for multiple years. And so every time she goes for a checkup, like every six months, I always say to her, let's make sure we celebrate when it's like, oh, you got to check up, nothing there. It's all good. And I think you can like, oh, it's good. It's fine. You could almost blow it off maybe. But if that's not what you saw, if you went back for a checkup and something showed up on the scan, you'd be really upset. And I think we need to remind ourselves, ourselves and, and I've talked to my mom about this, we need to have the same type of joy and to celebrate almost the mundane, oh, nothing there. Celebrate that as much as you would be upset if something was there. And I think that to me is a little bit of, you know, that applies to everything in life. I think the difficult thing is when you take the good for granted and you let the bad ruin your day, ruin your week, ruin your month, ruin your year. So I don't think it's about not letting the bad ruin something because that's hard to do. Because bad news exists. Bad things happen. You can't avoid them. You can't run from them. You have to deal with them. I think what it really is, is making sure you don't take the good for granted. So that's kind of where I come from on this. Even if you say, does that beat Bama? Have a good time with the big win. Right? That's all. Doug, stop. Let's see. Oh, this one's good. This is Jesse from the 518. When I was younger... And social media didn't exist. I was more results-oriented when it came to the Buckeyes. But now that I can follow personal stories more intimately, way more of being a fan has become following personal journeys and rooting for Buckeyes, not the Buckeyes. Rooting for the person, not the uniform. Right? That's me saying that. But rooting for Buckeyes, not the Buckeyes. Very well said. Seeing a genuinely wonderful person like Paris Johnson Jr. get drafted so high is all I need to continue to be a fan. I mean this for real. At this point, I would say less than 50% of my passion for the Bucks is about results. The majority is about personal journeys. I thought that was an awesome text. That was awesome. This is from the 817. I grew up in Dallas and I went to North Texas for my bachelor's and Ohio State for my master's. My grandparents and cousins went to Ohio State. So I was a fan before attending as well. My two college teams are Ohio State and North Texas. And all my pro teams are Dallas teams. Being a Cowboys fan under 30, I did not experience any of the greatness. The Cowboys have been good, not great in the time that I've been watching sports, basically from Tony Romo's first year and onward. I also cheer for North Texas, where a 6-6 season is nice, and the 9-3 and seasons are huge achievements. Being an Ohio State fan is much more enjoyable than my other sports fandoms. I think people take the expectations a step too far. It's fair to expect a team that recruits like Ohio State to compete for a title every year, but you can't realistically expect to win titles all the time. I think Nick Saban's success has warped people's expectations of what success looks like. I thought that was another good comparison. I did ask, do you root for any teams better than Ohio State? And we kind of outlined there aren't many that are better. Is Ohio State football the most successful sports team you root for? 94% yes, 6% no. So I do think like if, if, if somehow, whether it's the Patriots or the Warriors or the Lakers or the Yankees, who acts like the Yankees don't have more titles than the Buckeyes in this era that we're talking about, but I do think the Yankees have higher expectations. 
If you root for those teams and somehow Ohio State is not the number one team on your expectations list, man, oh man, does that open up some possibilities for enjoying the Buckeyes. That's like, ah, oh, the Yankees let me down, but the Buckeyes, oh man, they're like my underdog team. That would be a fantastic way to, uh, to enjoy Ohio State football. This is Terry in the 919 in North Carolina. I grew up in Ohio and I've lived the ups and downs of Ohio State football as long as I can remember. I love the Buckeyes. I love football. I despise Michigan. I've watched Woody, Earl, Coop, Tress, Fickle, Meyer, and now Day. At no point prior to Dave's arrival, Day's arrival did I feel so confident in our ability to score big-time points against whoever we played. Now I see his defense poised to be great as well, but at the end of the day, this is simply a game. A mostly enjoyable distraction. It's not real life, and there are far, far more important things out there that warrant my attention. I've never had personal angst or been upset about any loss for more than a few hours immediately after. I move on. I'm mostly optimistic about the Buckeyes these days, and I'm quite honestly mystified by all the negativity I see. The knee-jerk negativity, the instantly pessimistic counter comments to anything positive, the cries that Day will never understand the rivalry, etc., are out of place and over the top. Day has had the best start win-loss record of any head coach in the history of college football, and some are still not happy. While I'd love to win it all and beat Michigan every year, neither is realistic. In fact, winning all of the time lessens the enjoyment, in my estimation. A rivalry isn't a rivalry if one team wins the game every year. Championships are hard. We're regularly right in the mix and have had our share of misfortune. But we're due another championship in the next year or two, so I'll enjoy watching the improved defense. That's our guy, Terry. Well said. I thought there was a very interesting point about the offense and the defense that I wanted to bring in here. This is from the 513. It's Arge Sarge. To me, joy and excitement come from the offense. Peace of mind comes from the defense. When our defense hasn't been good in recent years, I enter each week with anxiety. I'm holding my breath, waiting for something to go wrong. Some DB to get burned and give up a long play or a touchdown. Our offense gets me excited each week for a wow moment. The possibility to see something I never thought I'd see. Pride, elation. Right now, my anxiety is lowering with an improved defense, but the anticipated joy is dampened over concerns with the O-line. So I, that, I almost could see that as a, like a general college football shirt. Offense is joy. Defense is peace, right? Offense is elation. Defense is contentment. I, I think that's really, I think that's a really well said thing. I'm, I'm going to think about that some more. So the 603, it annoys me when fans act like being an Ohio State fan is no fun. You know what was fun? The nail-biter games. Example, Penn State and Georgia last season. Obviously, I really wish we beat Georgia. However, I'll take an amazing football game with a last-second loss in the playoffs versus beating Rutgers by 40. I remember in 2018, the game at Maryland. That was pure excitement. I'm excited for the 12-team playoff where two losses don't kill you and the Big Ten gets more competitive across the board. I want to see games come down to the wire. That's fun. Ohio State isn't going to win all of those, and that's okay. Part of the reason the 2020 win over Clemson was so sweet was the way we lost to them the year before. People who expect Ohio State to be perfect every single game need to really take a long, hard look at themselves in the mirror. That just doesn't happen. Don't expect perfection. I like close games, too. And so, like, I've kind of espoused that before. Like, you'd almost take a close loss over a blowout win, and then I, there are definitely people who are like, you are crazy. That is That is terrible. So maybe you like that text. Maybe you didn't. This topic can get crammed into that person's cram hole from the 614. I meant to not do these. I keep accidentally reading cram hole comments. Buckeye talk. Fun comes with winning. Ohio State is at the top of the food chain in college football. Only Georgia and Bama can say they've had more, quote, fun 
over the past several years. I'd argue Ohio State has been the most consistent team in college football over the past 20 years. I don't even think it's an argument. I think it's certifiably correct. Yet there is major disappointment with high expectations, but you never change expectations to make things easier or guarantee a more fun path. Name me one team in college football that fans believe they have fun watching every single game of the season year in and year out. If the fans only want fun and not the expectations, then the team will suffer as a result. Ohio State is as competitive as anyone because the fans demand it and pay it forward to make it happen. So the the idea of, hey, yeah, there are expectations, but expectations are the point and they're fun expectations and they holding people. I've always hold people to a high standard. Great. But if you can keep the expectations fun, then like I'm pro expectation. Again, I'm not saying don't have expectations, right? As an Alabama graduate, especially one that was a freshman in 2009, the expectation of Ohio State versus Alabama can't really even be compared. I feel that about Alabama sometimes, that it's not fun, but never Ohio State. So this is super interesting to me. And I love when we have people who can tell us things like that from the inside, because to me, it would almost be like, well, who could be more fun to root for than Ohio State? Well, only Bama, because Bama has six in the time that Ohio State has two. But if somehow even six, you can get to the point as a Bama fan where even the six in the last 20 years isn't enough. So then Ohio State is more fun than Ohio State. The reason if you're an Ohio State fan and would say, ah, it's not as fun as it should be, is because you're not Bama. Now we have a person who knows Bama and Ohio State from the inside, and they say Bama's less fun because even six isn't enough. Oh, my gosh. That's like the grass is browner. That's what sometimes happens in sports. The grass is browner on the other side of the fence, right? It's like, oh, you look over there. It's like, I don't know. Probably stinks over there too. So do a Yankees comparison. Rooting for the Buckeyes is like rooting for the Yankees, the other successful team I root for. The expectation to win it all every year is intense. But rubbing Guardians fans' faces in it when we beat them makes it all worthwhile, like when we beat Iowa. So if you're a Guardians fan, you just, you just had that happen. The Guardians, I mean, like the Guardians are that kind of thing. The Guardians are somewhere between, are both a consistent contender and a scrappy underdog. And the fact that they constantly contend is amazing, but also it might get frustrating over time. But like, I try to view the Guardians as like, it's a, I can't believe they're as good as they are. That in itself is kind of like a miracle. So like, holy moly, keep that in mind. But then you lose in the 10th inning of game seven in the World Series and you haven't had one since 48. And you're like, uh... Just competing is not super fun. So I, I, I get how that can be difficult as well. Listen, I, I think you guys are getting it. The survey, people, more than half the people admit to feeling some burden. The passion, it's crazy. I love being the Buckeyes. They want to tell you that. They want to say something like this. Give me a break, please. Now to your bust is BS. My saying about Ohio State football is it rarely disappoints. It's so true. Now, Mich- now, Michigan is a huge part of the equation. Three or four losses in a row to Michigan, and I'm really disappointed. And no Big Ten championship. Let me retake the survey. Difference in grades. So, like, I can't tell if this person is, like, talking them into, like, a different uh, a different vote. They start off by saying national championship or bust is crazy. But I do, I, as with everything, it really is hard. There's the idea of your are you national championship or bust, and there is the idea of beating Michigan or not has such a vast influence on the season that that affects everything. So I I do think those are kind of separate questions, actually. 
It's hard to be completely happy with Ohio State. It's hard to talk about like, hey, don't make the expectations too high in a year where you're coming off two straight Michigan losses. I get that. I think if you're just if Ohio State's generally beating Michigan, it changes this a little bit because then it's like, okay, I'm okay if they don't win a national title every year. Like they're doing what they need to do on the baseline. What is this person talking about from the 309? If you don't like your team being at the top, there is plenty of room on the Rutgers bandwagon. The Bucks being natty or bust is a ton of fun because every year has optimism and hope. And in the 25 years I've been a maniac Buckeye fan, I have only once come into a season feeling hopeless that they had no shot. Obviously, that's the crazy year in 11. That's Jack in Peoria. So this is a lot of people saying that, you know, the expectations are good. The successes outweigh the disappointment. It's great to be a fan like this. Get out of here. Um, this is another one kind of about Bama. Lately, it's the other Buckeye fans that make it less fun. The fans that act like Alabama fans who literally, this is going to be mean too, who literally have nothing else in their lives and expect absolute perfection. They're miserable to be around. If you're in Alabama or Mississippi or South Carolina, what else do you have? Columbus is a booming multicultural city. It stinks when we lose, but have some perspective. That's coming from a guy who was born at Ohio State Medical Center to two Ohio State grads, went to Ohio State, was an Ohio State athlete. I know what it's like to con- directly compete with Michigan, but life goes on. So there are lovely places to live in the South. We, we, we don't mean that. But in a, in a place where like the, the pro sports aren't as big, right, that you maybe don't have as easy, uh, as much of a natural thing to temper it as you do when there are pro sports that are part of your state's cultural existence in a way that just doesn't happen in Alabama, I, I do think that can change um, some of that stuff. We'll, we'll get ready to end with this. Doug, you do not need to worry about us. There is nothing wrong with expecting a natty every year. There is no less joy with the near misses. At least we are there in the conversation every year. The fact that we are always in the conversation for the national championship every year is fantastic. Who else can say that? There is no angst. I love it. You think we have too high expectations? You bet we do. I love it even if we fall short. I love every minute of it. Brett in Savannah. So that will ease my mind. I won't worry about you guys. Even though more than half of you say you feel the burden, I, I have another 20 that I pulled that I can't get to, or we're going to be doing two hours. You get the vibe. So that's what we wanted to do here. We, we wanted to talk it out. I, I'm not trying to have answers. I want you guys to have a good understanding. And you have it with your friends, but I do think maybe you could get into a, not a friend or family bubble, but if you just happen to be around Ohio State fans who kind of view it all the same way, it's helpful to realize, hey, these are people, you have a lot in common already. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. And if you're answering this, you're a tech subscriber. So there's something about, you're not just an Ohio State fan. You've sort of chosen the same way to express that fandom. So you do have something in common. So if you hear a view or you hear survey results that are opposite of how you think, it is coming from a cohort of commonality because you're here. And there are a lot of Ohio State fans. There are a lot of other loyal, dedicated, educated Ohio State fans who aren't here. They're somewhere else. And and I do think how you choose to consume your fandom, who you read, who you listen to, that reflects a little bit of your viewpoint, of your standards, of your burdens, of your expectations, of your excitement, of your frustrations. So, you know, we're a little family here, man. All right. We have some stuff coming. We have some more recruiting pods ahead because Steven continues to be out at these camps. We have a bunch of ultimate draft stuff. Who would be the number one draft pick all time out of all of Ohio State's 91st round picks? We have a 2016 Ohio State-Michigan Retalkables. We have a Market Down Monday. 
I'm going to be out for a little bit, but you'll keep hearing me. So it's like, you won't even notice, right? It's like, I was this voice. Who cares if I'm in my house or not? But we pre-recorded some stuff to keep you, keep it flowing for you guys because we just could not be more grateful. We just absolutely could not be more grateful for what you guys bring to the show, for what you guys do for each other. I do think a, a pod like this is an opportunity to realize that, that we we have opinions, but I do like the podcasts where, I mean, this is like a robot podcast. If you could get a robot to read the text, it's, we'd be kind of the same. We want to be a conduit for your feelings. So you don't just get what Stephen and Nathan and I think is people who are paid to cover Ohio State, but you get what other people who have the same passions and the same backgrounds and the same, like you, this is something you really care about. So I want you guys to know what other people think. Thanks so much for making us part of your week. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.